0: Another slow month at the movies in honor of Titanic's
1: upcoming re release. What's one of your favorite lines from that movie? Uh, I'm Katie Rich, and I could probably literally recite Titanic from memory if you gave me long enough. Uh, this is the lightning round. Anybody can, you wants can do to it. center it? Yeah, this is the lighting round, but I think I can probably pull it off. So I'm just going to flag something that has been bothering me for 25 years and I've never been able to talk about. So when they're sitting on the deck and Jack is showing her her drawings, and Rose finally decides she likes him after all, and she says to him, You have a gift, Jack. You do. You see people and then he completes the rhyme and says, I see you, which is also an Avatar prequel yeah, when you think, think that, about it. But anyway, that's how they
2: came out with that line in the Avatar.
1: I think that's probably how they came. Yeah, I think that was probably the origins of Avatar. Anyway, that part drives me crazy in a movie I love. That's all.
2: Uh, I'm Matt Patches and I was trying to think of the I, I didn't have this line memorized, but the the parts I like are when people are kind of screaming. Um, So my line is going to be I was going through the script. <laughs> I'm going to quote this directly here. Steward number two says. Women only, no men, no men. I feel like that really makes a lot of sense. in Twenty twenty three. Wow. Uh-huh.
3: Sexy. Uh huh.
0: Sexist. Uh, hey, it's me, Dave Gonzalez. And Titanic turning twenty five makes me think of the glorious Stewart gift. It's been eighty four years.
4: Mm hmm.
3: Wow. Hi, my Jordan. Na- you get to go. My name's Jordan Hoffman. Um, I much, per- <laughs> I much prefer the Poseidon Adventure. Really? To Avatar. <laughs>
1: Oh, Which sure. we talked about on this podcast yeah, uh, back in August.
3: Pop, yeah,
0: it. Yeah, I just did another podcast about it for David Neal's Pop Culture Adventure.
1: Whoa.
3: Wow. How, how, Fun, how many more lives? How many more lives? I guess G- my favorite... Gene
1: Hackman really hot in that movie. I'm sure that's what wow. you took away from it too. He was Jordan. in the boiler room. Of course, he was hot. Um, <laughs> solid think,
3: looking turtleneck. I think my favorite line from uh, Titanic is kind of a you know, draw me like one of your French girls is pretty good. I I, I say that from time. Yeah, that's good. You do to mm-hmm. who? I, I, it, I somehow, Cats, whenever I hear, it, whenever somebody says draw, like if somebody, oh I'll draw it, I'll, like, I, not that it comes to that often, it's like, oh, I'll draw it for you. Oh yeah, yeah draw it like one of your French girls. Like I just, mm-hmm. I just spit that no, out. No, it's there.
1: Lot. It's kind of always there waiting for you. Yeah, it's a, a it's a good
3: he line. It's a good line. He
0: slaps cell phones out of people's hands on the subway and says, draw me like one of your French girls. <laughs>
3: did, did, did Cameron have a co-writer on Titanic or was that all him?
1: I do not believe so. I think that was all him. Yeah,
3: it's pretty rare for him not to have a co-writer. Like
1: Avatar 2 has got five Uh, The Avatars, yeah. Well, you know, he had like a writer's room to like break all of those movies. Ridiculous. Uh, By the way, Avatar 2 is not good. What? Oh, Jesus Christ, Jordan! Why, <laughs> Why did we invite you here? around? Leave this podcast. <laughs> yeah. for it's okay. It's okay. We haven't even it's started the this. podcast.
3: It's not good. It's just okay. This is a cold open, <laughs> and you're lighting <laughs> fires.
0: Knowing the movies we are going to be talking about on this podcast, yeah. you starting off with "But Avatar Two is bad" is <laughs> yeah. really. I just
3: want to. I mean, it's, gonna not, be a- it's no, I didn't say it was bad. I just said it's okay. It's all
0: right. oh, okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's all right. But so if you're making the Jordan sliding scale of movies, yeah, we've got
3: right. one. Yeah. Stay tuned for, yeah, for yeah. some more. All right. I'm done.
1: Cannot wait to find out which movies you're gonna claim on this podcast are better than uh than Avatar Two.
3: <laughs> um, I'll tell you. Better than Avatar Two? Ant Man Two. Oh boy. Ant Man mm. Two is superior to Avatar Two by a by a, a measurement of, of
1: wait is the new one coming out the third one
3: soon yes yeah. which is why I okay, rewatched yeah. I recently rewatched Ant-Man 2 also known as Ant-Man and the Wasp and this yes. movie is fantastic it's got it every it's Colonel Quaritch when you have ghost <laughs> ghost is good but, <laughs> but the use stuff- you can't fight in here this is the war room fine
1: I can hear you now Dimitri clear and plain and coming through
4: fine coming through fine too eh
1: good then well then as you say we're both coming through fine good well it's good that you're fine then and i'm fine i agree with you it's great to be fine
3: It's
1: It's hello and welcome to fighting in the war room it's episode 423 it's pandemic 157 it is the week of wednesday february 8th that's the day that in 1915 uh birth of a nation premiered. Dave, I like that you've listed as the first twelve reel film, and not any of the other um things that you could know that's about all it's known Nation. For. Let's just let's just stick on how many reels. Yep, were that's what it is. It
0: is a landmark on how long uh, films uh-huh. were. I'm
1: and glad we crossed that else. landmark.
4: Uh
1: As we record this, David Ehrlich does not yet have a second child, but he might by the time you hear this. So he's not here. Luck, uh But we brought in we brought in a ringer. Jordan Hoffman, uh, we're so glad you just keep coming back to talk to us. Hey,
3: I, I, so long as David's not here, I'm happy to come by. You know.
1: <laughs> I'm just imagining David's head exploding when you told said Avatar 2 was worse than Ant-Man he know, 2. That he, knows, he knows. He somehow knows. Somehow the, the anger would have sent his wife into labor. Well, yeah, that's just the already. thing
3: is that if she's like a little delayed, you know, he'll get so upset and she'll feel that. So then the child will come. So I'm, I'm here for The child for will
1: be born full of rage yeah, yeah. about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is uh, correct for David uh dave i know you were poking around the australian itunes but i don't actually know if we have any reviews oh do we have reviews as if they were
0: like we want david to not read these reviews uh we'd rather have dave uh, read them we have five new reviews since last week wow let's kick it off this is from dingo 1979 it's five stars and it's called fighting about war films in the war room They're right. I've been listening for about a year and love the show. Toyed with reviewing previously, but honestly kept giving up after struggling to find the review mechanism on the podcast app. Standout recent moments for me include the explanation of why the Zemeckis Pinocchio looks so strange, the quiz quiz crossovers and Katie Rich's Avatar Two love writing now. (laughs) 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 writing now because I really enjoyed all the all quiet on the Western Front episode, and I wanted to add a thought after the guys comments that this has been done before and perhaps better. That may be true if you've been watching movies for decades or diving down the AFI list to pick up classic war films. But my 15-year-old joined me to watch this on Netflix after it drew him in between breaks of a computer game. It it prompted exactly the question you'd think an anti-war movie would and really seemed to bother him that humans devoted so much energy and creativity to killing each other. I think that even if something has been done before, new iterations may reach their own audience and work better for them than you'd expect. On the other hand, the fifteen-year-old finished the movie and immediately rejoined the queue for another game of (laughs) Counter-Strike.
4: So, yeah,
3: (laughs) this is a problem. This is a problem with
2: games. This is a problem.
3: That's a really good, good comment from Dingo. I know it's a good comment, but
2: I mean, the fact that all "Fight on the Western Front" 2022 exists does not discount that there are lots of war movies to go watch that are better.
1: But as we all know, I think like sometimes like there are people who are more likely to like get in with the language of uh, earlier movies. Like I don't think Apocalypse Now really feels dated. Like you can certainly go back and watch that. But like original Al on the Western Front, like is a fifteen year old going to watch that, or is like having yeah, something sure. that's more accessible on the Western okay. Front Twenty twenty
2: three is the minions of war films. Whereas like I don't want yeah. I don't
3: watch two D animation. I watch cool three D animation.
0: a bit in a weird direction. <laughs> I, 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 was who, I just it's the be. minions. I, it's the minions. <laughs> I just
3: hope uh, when. Dingo Junior was perplexed and asked his father why man must commit war. Really, yeah. I hope he has really sat him down <laughs> and explained to him how evil the Kaiser was, and just said, "Look, yes. when Franz Ferdinand was assassinated, they had to step in and just got into a big World War One conversation."
1: You know, I uh, uh, Charlie, who is six and a half, was at some point. Somehow he saw a sign about supporting Ukraine and it led us to me trying to explain what wow. World War I was, oh, and it was a disaster. World War I's a little hard really, to explain. Definitely. Yeah, World I War II is much easier to explain. Um, I, and, and I sat him down and showed him all quiet on the western front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did. Well, he did watch
2: Avatar 2,
3: so I mean, it's not <laughs> he that He did different. watch Avatar 2. He's like, familiar with uh, the destruction of movies.
1: Home Tree. What uh, do you that's think true.
3: about the arm getting ripped off?
1: A, uh, he says he missed it somehow, uh, his, uh, but now that we know that guy's coming back in the second one
2: is lap yeah. is a violent movie. Can I ask you a quick it, question? This is a bit of a tangent.
4: Anyone wow. like oh, talk oh, wow, about on this episode. Anyone wow. talk
2: about a kaiser roll? Recently? Do you hear kaiser roll very often? I feel like that's <laughs> like, not a thing God. we order at at delis I, or I,
3: I love a good kaiser roll. I, I like a bialy too. A
2: kaiser roll is good, but
3: do you the ever hear about kaiser rolls? About kaiser seeds, rolls? Right? kaiser
1: think, rolls have po- uh, like round poppy seeds.
3: Not necessarily. I think a kaiser roll is just like a roll. It's a type of a but uh, Right. Like, if you get a salami sandwich on a roll, it's going to be a Kaiser roll.
2: But in New York, you ask for a roll. You don't ask yeah. for a Kaiser roll.
3: You don't hear but Kaiser roll. But a roll, roll like,
1: you would get at the bodega would not be a Kaiser roll, would it? Like, if you get, would. like, an egg and cheese I think on a roll, I think like, that's is. a Kaiser roll?
2: Kaiser roll was, like, what I got <laughs> my tuna what I sandwiches in middle school on. But I don't yeah. hear a lot about Kaiser rolls anymore. I wonder if that is is we're getting away from the Kaiser. Of it all. After all mm-hmm. this
3: time he's finally being rejected. He's, 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 he's canceled, canceled finally We've canceled, canceled the,
4: the Kaiser. Kaiser. <laughs> Fuck you Kaiser. A stand against
3: the Kaiser. Do, do you know what the uh, etymological derivation of the word Kaiser is? Please. No. It oh com- my god. It comes Let's from Let's read another review. No, 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 no. no. This is fascinating. <laughs> this is Kaiser. It's like okay. Listener. It's the sa- it's okay. the Saint well Kaiser was the head of of the Austro-German Empire or Austro-Hungarian Empire and in Russia you had the Tsar. Kaiser, Tsar. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They both derive from Caesar, the uh-huh. head, head dude. Augustus, Julius. It all goes back to him. Caesar, yeah. How about All right, that? Dave, yeah. give us another
0: review. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're learning a
0: Unfamous lot. Unfamous Amos gives us five stars, hey. and the title is New Favorite Movie Podcast. They write, they're wonderful podcasts. I'm here for all the arguments and film analysis. I appreciate that each host brings a different sensibility to the show, offering a spectrum of takes. Can't believe I didn't discover the show until 2022. One of my new favorite movie podcasts, wow.
1: Keep up the great work, yeah, you Great, but where the hell
3: was he all these years? Come on, I know. Yeah, t- <laughs>
1: I don't know. That was that's the fifteen-year-old who just watched *Outlander*. Must be Give him a break. Dingo that's right. too.
3: Father, why must there be war? <laughs> well, why we will. More?
1: I mean, we thought he was from very Australia. Well.
3: Oi! come here, Dingo Junior. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to watch this show without war.
1: <laughs> but Dad, <Yeah>, but- <laughs> I'm watching *Bluey*. <laughs> I'm watching *Bluey*. Our are Bluey you? You make favorite <laughs> reference for Australian. Give accent. me a Forsters. <laughs> Give me a right. Foster's and sit on me lap. <laughs> Bo- 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 Boogie Nights '88 gives us four
0: stars and uh, says fine, but not nearly as good as Battleship Retention. And then the text wow. says seven out of ten.
1: Okay. Wow. Uh, so
0: I can't dispute I that. Like Battleship retention too. I don't know.
4: Yeah, yeah I can't yeah. really
2: say they're wrong.
0: Yeah. Uh, Tyler seventy-eight seven hundred and fifty-one gives us five stars. And the title says friendly slash constructive feedback. And he writes, they write, uh, I truly love you all on the podcast so much. But could you please not talk about future episodes of a TV show? If you've seen screeners read David Ehrlich with The Last of Us. David kept vaguely and sometimes more directly talking about the details of future episodes. I know it may know it may not seem like big spoilers to y'all, but I would like to experience and I'm sure other listeners feel this way as well. The show as fresh as possible. I have not played the game. And come to my own conclusions instead of having to now anticipate some of the details that david mentioned for specific episodes when i'm watching it would be much appreciated if you could all keep that in mind for future coverage i think that's saying great. all this with love he's he's right. one of my favorite movie podcasts this I is why
3: this is why we kicked david off the podcast right, well I, I think also he's right and i would encourage more listeners to write in their anti-david Ehrlich sentiments i think that makes for great listening and, I um... think he's running. <laughs> I think Jordan's running the open slot.
2: Yeah, sure.
0: Well, our last review is five stars and is from somebody called uh, boars Before Whores twenty fourteen. Wow. Uh, the subject is Poor Katie. They write, <laughs> "I really, uh, I really felt for her listening to everybody else on this podcast during all Quiet on the Western Front conversation, where every man seemed to think the movie was a fun glorification of war. I don't know if we're uh, what? an absolutely unhinged opinion." Because we like the <laughs> the tank running over people. Uh, no, I love Katie. Yeah. She makes it worth listening to.
1: No, you you thought that you were supposed to enjoy that they would like seeing things like the tank running over people. So to be like, whoa, cool, as opposed to like, oh my god, that's horrible.
2: Well, I was disturbed by the fact that I think the movie makes it seem mm.
4: cool.
2: I don't think mm. I was hur- horrified of the tank running over people, but I thought that it was played for kind of like a splatter effect, not Sam Raimi level, but I think it is over the line in terms of yeah. it. It, like the entertainment value of that moment.
3: I mean, all war movies, have I mean, I'm sure you brought up the very famous Francois Truffaut quote during your conversation. And if you didn't, what Truffaut we wrote- We did, I believe. We did, actually. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> famous. And, but, and he's got a point. There's always, like, it's, it's you stop in traffic to look at the, this is, this is, what's it, uh, train wreck. You know, when you see a car wreck, you have to slow down and rubberneck and look at the thing. Oh, holy shit. I mean, it's a human reaction to just be agog at incredible violence. It doesn't mean that you're endorsing. It doesn't mean that you're cheering it on. It's just like it goes beyond that. It's just like, oh, my God, that guy's head just got smashed by a tank. Ah, So it's tough. I mean, do, um, does a movie make it look too cool? Does the music make it too exciting? These are, these are difficult questions. And, you know, everybody's got their own. everybody's got their own level of how far they can take it.
1: I'm mean, intrigued by how many people are. Up. Oh, okay. no, sorry,
0: sorry. No. no, no, I'm not going to talk over you, especially after this review. Please, Katie.
1: <laughs> I'm intrigued by how many people are writing about All Quiet on the Western Front. It seems like wow. people are watching it, which is interesting. That's all. Yeah, because it's
0: free, and For the announcement is yeah? wow. so
3: good. Yeah,
0: Free. Okay, and he can't spoil it. It's World War One. Uh, the <laughs> Boys Before Horace wraps up. I love Katie. She makes this worth listening to. Ehrlich is kind of a delightful troll, and his fanboying over sad zombies is especially funny. I think there's a couple of other hosts highly
2: recommended. Yeah, I knew I knew, <laughs> I knew where this was going. I understand. i They're going to hate this episode, but that's
1: I'm here. Well, maybe this I'm is all the, the week I'm where... all the things that they like. <laughs> yeah.
0: Women
2: talking. Maybe we're more positive this week, who knows. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out.
0: If you are brave enough to brave the Apple podcast app and send us a review, please do. It helps us find new audiences and uh, discuss things that we might have gotten wrong, as you see. You can also email us uh, if you are not living in the U.S. and want to pass on your review or have any other concerns, nfitwr.podcast at gmail.com. Please email us and uh, send send the reviews. I will be reading them until David gets back and then he gets to do it his own way. Uh, I'll be very nice. Recently, James Gunn and Peter Saffron have been appointed to become the Kevin Feige's of the uh, DC properties over at Warner Brothers. What does that mean? That means that rather than the uh, sort of scattershot continuity we've had with DC projects since uh, Justice League didn't work out,
3: uh, we are going back. How long ago was that? It didn't? The the, the Uh, Weedon cut was 2016, I believe.
1: Jesus Christ. So we've been in like it's been 6 years of It's before Trump chaos. was in
3: office. Well, we got a Wonder Woman 2 We got an
2: Aquaman.
1: We got other Well, no, Wonder we Woman 1 came out after Justice League. Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry.
0: Yeah, we got we got a bunch of pieces. Uh but that was the last time they were really trying to unify things uh, that we got to see the movie. They, of course, tried to reunify things and pivot in The Flash, but then that plan was, uh, What are you talking about? That movie even hasn't though even we come still,
2: out. You can't say that plan Even though
0: out. we will still get to see The Flash. No, they... <sighs> okay, this is probably what we have to talk about. <laughs> the important thing is, uh, James Gunn put a video up, uh, to explain to fans what the new plan is for what he's calling DC's Chapter One Gods and Monsters. <laughs> it involves some streaming shows. It involves some movies. It involves some animated series that are also going to be streaming, but at least they're animated and uh, involves the Elseworlds distinction for things like the Robert Pattinson, Batman, uh, the walking Phoenix Joker. And I believe Swamp Thing at the end of uh, chapter one, it will also end up being Elseworlds, but I'm not exactly sure.
4: Whoa.
0: Patches.
2: what's That's question? great because Katie loves Elseworlds. Specifically, <laughs> this is all completely. Katie loves Elseworlds, not canon. Well,
1: all right, yeah. You know, here's the thing. I like learn what else worlds are. And I think that is like, I think what is interesting oh to me after watching Marvel movies and getting kind of tired and being like, oh, what if like something weird happened? This is what I liked about WandaVision so much. Like the idea of like doing a fun spin on something that exists. Like I'm, a, I'm not a fan of Joker, but like that's fine with me. So that part I understand.
2: This, this is actually on the wavelength of, of what I really want to talk about because, yeah, there's big plans. There's going to be a new Superman movie written by James Gunn. There's going to be all sorts of non. There's going to be a Green Lantern cop show, which. Jordan and I might be excited uh, for yeah. it. I mean, <laughs> I what you guys think. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll get there. But um I think I think my big takeaway from this is Gunn and Dave, when you were describing Gun and his producing partner, Peter Saffron, like filling in for Kevin Feige, I imagine one of them on the other one's shoulders, RRR style, but except wearing like a big coat and being like, <laughs> I'm Kevin Feige, I'm one man. <laughs> um
0: you know, so say it's, it's style.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's the kids
0: trying to sneak into the R movie. It's not exactly the R R. exactly.
2: Uh, I James Gunn in this announcement made a big push that had a very obvious kind of anti-Marvel sentiment. It wasn't gonna like he was knocking superhero movies used in a broad way. But what other superhero movies are we talking about if not the Marvel machine um, being very homogenized? it's the same movie every time it's a producer's movie and they're all connected. So they all have the almost exact flavor, even when they're kind of shifting genre, when the heroes are coming from different places, it still feels the same directors kind of click into their plans and make the thing that they've already kind of come up with 50% of people. Just talk to the actors, right? Uh, We talk about this a lot (laughs) on the podcast gun comes out swinging. Hey, we're going to make movies that are like driven by creators and, in this case, they're adapting comics directly. Like, there's another Batman movie in the works that's based on, uh, like, Grant Morrison's books, I think, and, or The Authority. They're doing that weirdo movie. Um, there's, they're lifting directly from comic books, which is totally different than what Marvel does. In the case of, like, Thor, Love and Thunder, you have them kind of bastardizing a great comic book into something that's more Marvel continuity or whatever. Um, but here's what I can't get over. Like, Guns push is this is going to be cinema, right? Like we're going to let people tell their stories. It'll be like a Supergirl sci-fi epic. And someone's going to get to make their movie and do this as a, as a standalone movie. But, but is this when you announce like chapter one, gods and monsters interconnected? Like, how do you, do you think this is good for movies when superhero, when gun (laughs) Gun is also on, on camera being like, there is superhero fatigue. We feel it like, but this has to be totally different. Is it, it gonna be different? How uh, what do you make of just like announcing phase one, chapter one of a ten year plan, but then purporting to be director driven, vision driven, yeah, genre driven? I'm, sus- I'm is suspicious. Is this good for movies?
3: Yeah. I'm suspicious. I mean what what he what you've just described and what Gunn announced is he's trying to ride two horses with one behind. You kinda can't oh, RR do it, like does yeah no, I, like, I feel like you know I think most many people will agree that the greatest superhero movie of all time is the first Superman movie because it was its own thing and it wasn't connected to anything, and there was no precedent and it wasn't following any rule book. The Marvel movies, which I enjoy by and large, they are incredibly rote, and even though there are tonal differences, to use two recent examples, Thor Love and Thunder" and Eternals. Could not be more different in tone, but the form is the same. It's just all the same. It all looks the same, and it's become very, very tiresome. So, I think that the marketplace is such that they've got to plan out a connected grid because that's what's working for Marvel, dollars and cents wise, and what's not working for DC. And the other thing he's doing is he's ash canning all the TV stuff, and like he said in his in his quote, he's like. We've got the the Arrowverse. We've got the this. And he even dissed his own movies. He said, my Suicide Squad is not really connected to the other Suicide Squad. This is where we answer
2: Katie's pre-segment question, which is, Katie, the Snyderverse, it was technically, well, not even technically, it was dubbed the DCEU, which was never an (laughs) official term. But James Gunn has now come out and called this the DCU. This is like, we're using this phrase to describe movies that are connected. But
3: the Pattinson
2: Batman? Is not DC right? You. So
3: he's a re- This right. is what's so Let's funny, get it and it's straight. so DC because <laughs> DC, uh, all all comics are baffling. You know, if you if you're just some guy who knows superheroes from from culture, from television and movies, and you're like, I'm gonna walk right into Midtown Comics in, in Manhattan and buy myself an X. I like the X Men. The X Men are great. You know, Patrick <laughs> Stewart in in a wheelchair with a. I'm gonna buy an X Men comic. There's 755 X Men comics with different variants and universes. It's yeah, try impossible. Oh, no, Kra- I brought the dragon one. Yeah, the, what is
1: and, the, and People wonder why people like me feel a barrier to entry. No, uh, that's uh, exactly. oh, right.
3: Huge barrier to entry. So it's so funny. And DC has been, they've had what they've called like their, their infinite crisis and their crisis on this and their final crisis. They've tried to reset comics a hundred times. The new 52 they did. So here's what's so funny to me. They bring in this new guy. They bring in the big gun. Literally, the big gun. Uh.
1: I I Actually,
3: I don't know how tall James Gunn is. He might actually be a small man. But they bring in a gun. And he's going to start the new day. And the first thing he says in this video is, it's all fresh. It's all connected. All the TV. All the video games. All the animated. And all the films. Same actors. New characters. New stuff. Dot, dot, dot. Well, except for Batman. (laughs) (laughs) And except for Joker. Why? Because they're making a lot of money. So mm-hmm. it's like, to somebody who's very not into this, a normal person, the boat sailed. You either gotta rip the Band-Aid off, or you gotta just accept that you're never gonna be connected. So they've already screwed up on number one on the itinerary, to connect it all. They're not gonna do it. As far as patches, as other questions. Can they be author driven vision-driven, where a movie can feel different, have its own sensibility which the books do the books the comic books do i mean you could pick up a copy of a grant morrison comic book versus a um oh who's that guy who writes the harley quinn stuff that's so funny um i love this guy or like i don't know somebody like um it doesn't matter but uh dan slot for example who writes sure. very yeah. funny very funny spider-man comics is, a, is very different from the weird sort of grant morrison psychedelic stuff um they can do that in film. And maybe James Gunn will let that happen, but I'm, I'm waiting, I'm, I'm keeping, I'm hoping it happens, but I'm, not, I'm so skeptical is what it is, skeptical.
2: I, I do think the existence You're- of like a Swamp Thing movie suggests where, where they're trying to glue the properties that they have to movie trends more than trying to force superhero movies to become... A thing an everlasting thing the, at DC. O- the only thing well i think super i think swamp thing is clearly hey horror is all there is at the movies barbarian yeah. smile what does dc
3: have we have swamp thing
2: make a swamp yeah. thing horror movie
3: do the and horror it could be thing. great it could be yeah, great like sure. uh, uh, swamp thing can exist totally divorced from every other superhero you don't need to connect you can but you don't have to and um you know Nobody, people know the phrase swamp thing. Like, even my wife knows the phrase swamp thing because sure. she said it to me when I haven't showered in too long. I was about to say, but, that's um, what she calls
2: your underwear in the laundry. Right, right.
3: Basket. So <laughs> she knows the phrase swamp thing, but nobody know. Like, very only hardcore nerds know anything about swamp thing and the unman and uh, Dr. Arcane and all that stuff. So, uh, swamp thing could, could be great. It could be great. You know, there's the opportunity there. That could be a really fun one. I did. I did hear him say that's coming last in the series. So, yeah. You know, by the time Swamp Thing easily comes around,
0: jettisonable. Here's what I heard from this announcement: one, a bunch of projects that aren't even going to make it to the screen, just like <laughs> yeah, too far out, too fucking weird. Trying to tell people that uh, they can't cast voice actors because they have to cast the Hollywood people who have never done voice acting. All of that's going to go right out the fucking window. The second, the second you want. Somebody who was a side character in Blue Beetle to record uh, 100 hours worth of sidelines for a non-linear video game. You're fucked. You're fucked monetarily. So that's what I heard, first of all. Second of all, people are misunderstanding what Marvel's doing. It's not about they're all being connected. It's that they're all sequels to each other. That's why, like, you know, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness puts Wanda through the exact same storyline as WandaVision. Because you didn't have to watch both of those things. That's why the multiverse gambit is a gambit, because they're going to be like, hey, you remember those X-Men movies with different actors? Those took place in our gigantic universe, too, because everything's a sequel. So if you want to start at the beginning, go back to the 90s, watch 50 movies, which is it sounds like a barrier to entry, but it ends up being not because everything feels the same. So you feel like you are able to enter the stream. What James Gunn is trying to do is mitigate that by being like, it's all connected but also you're going to have individual things. And those two things are counterproductive to each other in terms of how these big-budget films are made and how they share stars and how they are share design, especially. So it's going to be weird because a Swamp Thing that works uh, in a lower-budget horror setting might not look as good when you put him on the island of Krakoa and he's fully lit. Like, you have to... In order to make a fully directed directorial vision movie, you have to have that control. And James Gunn was a little spoiled because he got that control. It's part of the Marvel Studios for a property that they were willing to cut loose. And then when it was super profitable, they still didn't let it come back to Earth. So they're like, he could be out there. He can do it. But what we're doing here with Thanos and the whatever, the Guardians could come and like join in and bounce around. But they can't be left here because that is completely different we're going in this direction and uh it, i don't know if it business worked out that way because uh, uh someone told alan horn the wrong thing and james Gunn got fired for old tweets or if just like that's what the marvel cinematic that's how the marvel cinematic universe is going to deal with like director properties Taika Waititi could do whatever he wants with thor they're never going to give him an avengers movie Ryan Coogler gets his own production company to do spin-offs of Wakanda. That's fine. But, you know, he's got to seed Namor so we could get on with it. I feel like Marvel's trying to sort of franchise in a sort of weird way. But the thing that concerns me the most about this DCU is it's again falling into the exact same trap <laughs> that they fell into the first time, which is Avengers came out and DC's like, how quickly could we make this all one thing? That's right. the wrong thing. The fact that the Batman's successful and that Joker is successful as standoffs means that your IPs are successful. People are not looking for everything to connect. Yeah,
3: That's my big f- question. Wonder yeah. Woman was successful too. The first one, mm-hmm. the yeah. second one was a disaster. Aquaman. Aquaman,
1: Aquaman rules. The Top Aquaman. Ten movie of that are year. Are you, mm-hmm. you all
3: you the know ones weird? that are not
0: duo pictures are doing yeah. are doing okay. So I don't see. And then I, the last thing, and then I'll, I'll I'll stop talking about it. The other thing that really concerned me is for this uh conversation about new dc television shows he very frequently had a hbo previous existing property that it was going to be just like it's like lanterns it's the true detective of the dc universe like uh, the fall of paradise this is the game of thrones of the dc universe and i'm like all right brand synergy town i see your, you your pitch books yeah. but like how are these actually going to be executed like you know- it, do we want
3: to do we want to Earthbound lanterns? No! Oh no, God! No, so don't. that no, was the no, most no, no, depressing no, thing! Oh my God! So, so he we says lanterns. Yeah, with Mogo. They said <laughs> he <Obviously>. said lanterns, <laughs> and I got so uh, moist. I was so excited, <laughs> and he said it was a it was a, a um. It went from it's, brightest it's, day to black blackest night. night. Yeah, it was John John Stewart and 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 Hal and Jordan. Hal. And so I'm like, oh shit! Yeah, it's time to rumble. And then he's like, a terrestrial-bound story. I'm like, Jesus. That's the one yeah. thing that you don't want to do with the Green Lantern. The whole point of Green Lantern, Katie, is that <laughs> it's space cops. It's cops in space. Yeah. It's cops it nice. zooming around doing weird shit. And the Green Lantern comics, when they're on, and often they are, are the greatest comics ever because they're ludicrous. And they have crazy science fiction concepts and this is going to be an Earthbound cop show? Boring. Yeah. Who needs it? Now, let's, be, let's be
2: clear. One of the Green Lanterns is a math equation, okay? Yes. We should be going far <laughs> out here.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in the Green Lanterns. So that was very disappointing to me. Now, obviously, I'll give it, you know, you give it, it's You'll due, are. and you never know. You never Is this
1: know. one of the ones that will come out, Dave? I don't
3: know. Yeah.
0: No, I think, I, I, I don't know, because this is like the,
2: Third we're getting the Waller fourth, show three first. we're getting Viola Davis's DC. We'll definitely get Waller. Carryover first. Good for this will you, probably Viola. Come out Davis. Before
0: another. Sure. Oh no no no! I guess we are already getting another True Detective. So this will beat if this comes out, it will beat True Detective five.
2: Wow! Oh uh, right, <laughs>
1: there. are making to, another True to Detective. To wrap up,
2: I, I have a question for you, Katie. We kind of alluded to this, but like there, the plan that Gunn has set out—it's like a lot of different movies. They sound cool. I'm I'm in. I'm geeky enough for that stuff, but you know, and tacked on to the end is like, it's all connected. I don't think there's a real idea of how any of it is connected necessarily. I didn't get that impression from the announcement. Katie, do you think people like real normal people give a shit about things being connected? Do you think that helps no. Marvel?
1: Acting? No, I mean, in terms of what Dave was saying about them all being sequels to each other. Yeah. Cause I think you're building up and being like, Oh, I want to see what happens when Ant-Man meets up with, Whoever is in Ant Man Two, I don't remember. Um, but I think the idea of like the Arrowverse connecting to the on-screen thing, like who who cares about this? <laughs> and this, like, I think them keeping the bat, the Matt Reeves Batman, and then the Joker movies, like I think people just want to know which ones are good ones. And people knew right. that both of those were like movies that they like, so keep those franchises. Why can't like they and all be- knowing. And knowing that you don't have to do research or care about anything yeah. that's come before that, like that is such a huge appeal. I think having I, an option like that, which Marvel has refused to is re- I mean, the Black Panther movies are kind of the closest that we have to that. Right. And I mean, maybe Guardians they're they're close. Close. Marvel, is in
3: them now. They're close Marvel. until they hit stop and suddenly you're ta- you're connected to everything else. It's it's yeah, you're, it's you're right yeah, until
1: it's, you're with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. In it her started out somebody. It
3: started out. Watch Iron Man stay beyond the credits and Nick Fury shows up as a fun little gift to the fans. And when Nick Fury showed up, some people in the audience knew what it meant and everybody else turned to their date and said, who the
1: hell's that? I'll so, never forget the moment Thanos showed up at the end of <laughs> Avengers 1. The Avengers. This was in the quiz that we did about the post credit scenes. Smiley. and I was just like, who is this fucking purple guy? Yeah. I'm furious. Right, right.
3: And uh, half, the so audience, yeah. half the audience started doing cartwheels and you're mm-hmm. like, can I go now? I just mm-hmm. want to say one quick thing before we wrap this up. And Pat just happens to know this. It's just a coincidence that today, today is Monday, February 6th, 2023. And for weird reasons, I happened to watch 20 year old of a nation. Birth of a Nation. No, I watched <laughs> um, Daredevil twenty from uh, oh yeah two thousand three. Is it
1: from seeing Ben Affleck at the Grammys? And you're like, let me go back to uh,
3: no. I'm end. doing an anniversary piece on on Daredevil, um, a movie that I had never actually seen all the way through before. Or if I did, I barely remembered it. And I'll tell you something. Was I like? was riveted. I was riveted. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, it's really fun. It's this. It's it a has lo- good moments. It's low stakes and fun. It's it's that just, I that I could agree with. And it's a different kind. It's a it's a breath of fresh air compared to the comic book movies of today. Both on both sides of the aisle, Marvel and DC. They all come with so much baggage. And to just watch a movie that does its one little dopey thing um and it's cute and the fight scenes are fine and the Kingpin is awesome and what's his name? Colin Farrell is particularly great. Colin Farrell's Forget- bullseye. Forget Banshee's of in Sheeran. This is what he should have won his <laughs> awards for. Um, it's it's great. And it's great because it's just a simple matinee movie that you bring your nephew to and don't think. And for God's sake, that's what a comic book movie should be. Comic books are for illiterates like me and Patches and
1: uh <laughs> and children. And children. <laughs> the end. <laughs>
2: Uh, for our, our mini segment tonight, you know, sometimes sometimes we talk about movies and TV on this podcast. Sometimes we just go in completely other directions because there's pressing matters uh, to to talk about, and that's going to be one of tonight's uh, topics. Look, there's a lot mm. of st- tough stuff going on in in the world. I'm going to keep that broad because I feel like it's applicable whenever people listen to this. There's always something yeah. tough, but um, I want I want to broach a subject that I think is necessary to talk about because we don't. Give ourselves the space to talk, to ask ourselves, to interrogate the mundane things in life that are important. And I'm going to start with Katie because I actually, David Jordan, know exactly where I'm going to go with this. They're going to chime in here. But Katie, my question to and you is this
1: this Is this going to be about poop or is this going to be about Oh, yes, it first, is. Or... How did you know that? Here's the question, <laughs> I just said Katie. Katie,
2: Katie, here's the question. Shush, shush. Okay. Ready? How do you know? When, when did you learn to wipe your ass? And how oh, do you you've know? Asked me and this. how do you know? That you do it right. How do you know that you do it the right way?
1: Uh, you don't. I think you know <laughs> you that you do know. it right. You, you do what works for you, man. You do the thing that gets the poop off your body. Also, oh. as I think you well know from having a daughter, like women's bodies work differently when it comes to getting things off of your body that are not supposed to be there. Well, so it's a completely different yes, thing. In,
2: in parenting, I'm, this is when it started coming to uh-huh. realization for me. I'm like, I must teach another to wipe. Hoop, but I don't necessarily know if this is the right way. I, I'm just going off what I learned, but I don't recall even the moment I learned how to do this important task. Um, and I know that Jordan and Dave also Well, neither will
1: your daughter, because, you know, exactly. you learn it when you're young. <laughs> I
2: know. And everyone should invest in the bidet. I, I think I've talked about this before, but like, this mm. involves a lot of problems. You
1: have talked about this. Jordan, yep.
2: Dave, do you feel like you have thoughts here? Did you come to this realization? I at have any so point? much
1: to say. I have yeah, so much I to thought, say. I
3: thought so. I have so much to say. I, um, I wipe my behind I- incorrectly. And I've done it incorrectly my whole life. And I've, I, I, for the first half of my life, I did it. What is
1: incorrectly? Let's that. be clear here. Okay. For the
3: first half of my life, I did it incorrectly in one way. And for the second half of my life, I'm doing it incorrectly in a different way. Most people <laughs> that I've polled, and I do ask many people, they wipe their behind sitting down. They reach behind, kind of lift up a cheek and scrape the excrement matter from their crack from the front to the back and then toss the soiled toilet paper (laughs) in the Mm -hmm. bowl. Patches has muted himself because he is laughing so hard. I've never seen this man laugh as hard as he's laughing right now. He's dead. He's dying. It, this is working out exactly as
0: he
4: planned.
3: Okay. So here's the thing. The All first time right, so, of my life, yeah, yeah. I was taught by my mother. My mother was a very wise woman, an educated woman. She taught me to wipe my behind standing up. And after you finished. Defecating, You then take some toilet paper, stand up, scoop into your buttocks as you're standing, and mm-hmm. kind of peel, you peel the excrement up and then throw it away. And one time I was, we were in the car and my mother and I, the topic came up and my father was like, who the hell wipes their butt like that? And she was like, me, your wife. And he's like, why? And my sister was like, no, you do it sitting down because your butt's already open because you're sitting down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess my dad taught my sister how to wipe. patches just choking. He's choking to death.
4: This
3: and my This is fascinating mother taught- that it was a
1: divide <laughs> in your household. Right?
3: And- yeah, there's like, and also the, the gender, gender switch. Like, yeah. Well- yeah. And yeah. My-, my mother, I guess, taught me. So eventually I said, I have to stop wiping my behind this way because I'm doing it wrong. So in my, in my late teens, early 20s, I broke the habit. And I said, I'm going to wipe sitting down. Now, why? Because I'll tell you why. Because I was once at a, um, I was at Boston University over a summer and they had stalls and they weren't very high stalls. So I would stand mm-hmm. up to wipe my behind and other people would see me standing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, what are you doing, dude? I'm like, I'm wiping my ass. Like who wipes their ass standing up like me and my mom? <laughs> so um i stopped actually come back yeah so i started wiping my behind sitting down and i still do it this way and i do it wrong what i do is i take a wadded up toilet paper and i plunge it between my legs underneath my scrotum with my knuckles dangerously dangerously close to the toilet water. Which can be dastardly if you're at an unfamiliar toilet. But this is just how it works. You plunge your hand down in there, you get into the area, and you scrape it from back to front. You take it from the base of your anus toward, in my case, testicles. Not, not everybody has testicles.
1: The back-to-front versus front-to-back, that is the controversy I'm familiar with. Well, the standing is makes brand makes sense
3: because, you know, women shouldn't do that. As a, as a gentleman, I have no worries about uh, problems there. But I've learned that no one does it the way I do it. And I understand why, because <laughs> your knuckles are so close to the toilet wall. So close. It's a, it's a roll of the dice every time.
1: <laughs> but you can't so, change.
3: No, now it's, I'm an old man. I, I got to do it my way. That's it. Now, Dave, you don't do it that way, do you?
0: Uh, no, I do a uh, slight tilt so as to further widen the gap. Yeah. And uh,
3: reach it. I do, uh, yeah. Balls I can't up. do that. I can't do that. I'll miss. Like, I'll, my hands are going, maybe because I'm a larger <laughs> gentleman. But I don't think that I could. It just doesn't work for me like that. I don't know how you do well, it Well, like you that. start.
0: You 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 do a Death Star trench run, so you just stay in the trench and all the way up. It's it's
2: like if
1: every you're time Dave stuff... goes to the
2: bathroom, Luke. Luke. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. This is the newest performance episode. It. David is so mad wherever he is right
0: now. Uh, in case this helps uh, future reviews, uh, yeah. this week's episode of Battleship Pretension uh, <laughs> broke down the best needle drops of cinema of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, in case you're wondering Close. what the Close. competition's doing.
3: Now, Katie and Patches, you do with the Dave Gonzalez method? Yes. That I is guess, the, the sensible I think way so. to I behave. Guess so. I think. Like going
2: forward to back? Yeah. Up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Up. Do you look yeah. at the But you you're look- not
0: reaching you're not reaching all the way between
2: your legs? I think I'm more interested in like the
3: folding of toilet paper or the bunching.
1: Oh wow. So we went really hard uh,
3: really do fast. You, do you and... look at the toilet paper before you put it in the bowl? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you gotta know
4: what's going on. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. I need to take yeah, like a,
4: a stained
2: litmus test or something, <laughs> you know? Just how many more? <laughs> All right, this is the end of the no, segment. No, no. Also, Come you on. need
0: to see if it goes. You need to see how close it went to the edge, because if you got a clicker on on your wipe side, oh, God. that's that's as bad as knuckles under your oh, under your we balls. We should all just go point. outside.
3: Just go outside <laughs> in the dirt.
2: This episode just... sponsored by Bidets. Yeah. We <laughs> work for Big Bidet. Uh Thanks for entertaining this, folks, and whoever quit the podcast, I'm sorry. You're gone already.
0: <laughs> well, after this music break, will we be talking about more shit? Let's find out.
4: God.
1: So the m night Shyamalan movie knock at the cabin is uh, based on a premise that i find so existentially terrifying that i will never see this movie and really? that I, uh yeah the idea of like you're in a cabin with your family and then someone comes in like out of the woods like have you never thought about this when you've been in like an airbnb in a remote I don't know location a a cabin well you need to get out of new jersey patches there's <laughs> cabins all over the place for you to stay in uh and, and the idea so these people come out of the woods and they say to this uh, couple, these two men and their adopted daughter and say, like one of you has to die so that the world can end. So, you know, they're they're stuck and one of they have to sacrifice something. Um But I haven't seen the movie, so I don't really know what happens from there. But you know, the like the bone deep like you are responsible for your child and they're endangered thing, like I guess you can catch me on a different day. I might feel differently about it, but I can't. I can't go anywhere near it's this. Ner- it's uh, although I hear the movie's kind of fun. It's
3: it's it's, uh, it's. First of all, I think the movie's very good, and I like mm. I, I I think M Night Shyamalan as a general rule is very good. I mean, his movies for me, there's one or two exceptions, but I like his stuff. This movie was tense. I was I was white knuckling it the whole time, 98 minutes or however long it was. I was I was in it. You know, just bumfering with my chewing gum wrapper, feeling tense. It's a good movie. But I get it. And um, Yeah, no thanks. You know, I could see people saying no thanks, particularly uh, you know, people with children don't want to watch that kind of movie. There are movies. Do you I think it's a? Watch. do you think this is a horror movie? Do you think people who go to the movies to see
2: horror movies will be I don't know. It isn't very uh, the world pulled out from under them.
0: It I, isn't, don't, I don't think people who go to see horror movies will necessarily like it, but I do think it is a, it horror did get movie.
1: like a C cinema score. I think it feels is like that, a
0: C
3: cinema score
2: kind of movie. Yeah.
3: Wow. Yeah. No, well, you know, uh, there were, you know, I, I follow some people on Twitter who are in the horror world and they, it, you know, there is very little blood. There is some violence, but it's, you know, they cut away. It's not meant to be gory. um, but it's a horror movie, and what else could it be? It's a fanta- its a supernatural horror movie. You know, it's it's suspense, it's suspense and it's terrifying. Yeah, well, I think what what caught like unnerved me formally is that M Knight,
2: M Knight has made big movies. I mean, a lot. Sixth Sense is pretty grounded, but it's like we're moving all around Philadelphia. We're we're with these characters, and and he's getting out of the box, and and uh, God. I'm just, the prequel to Glass, Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Uh, <laughs> Has the anyone ever referred to it as the <laughs> prequel yeah, to that's Glass? Think of it.
3: <laughs> what of split, you mean? <laughs> Spin off to Split,
2: yeah. But, you know, the, he's thinking big, and, and I mean, I guess this movie is similar in that it is apocalyptic. There's questions of, like, what's really going on outside of the cabin? But uh, this is not going to be a popular opinion. This movie reminded me a lot of The Whale. It reminded me a lot of, like, trying oh, to Jesus, shoot a play. Jesus no. Christ, we I cannot I go back down there. I oh, my God. myself. And not and not in the gratuitous nature of the whale, but the we're we're basically shooting kind of a play uh, within this. Yeah, it's one location. suffocating home. Um, it's basically and one location. staged in that way. Uh, yeah, and, and well, it, well, well, well. He quite I, different than the rest of his movies uh, coming out of old, like which had spectacle to it. Yeah, almost. this is I, something totally different.
3: And he, you know, he's been in sort of this lower middle budget. You know, he he had two. You know, last Airbender was a disaster on a, on every level. Although it did make three hundred million dollars at the box office, it cost one hundred and seventy or something, so it wasn't a hit. And then after that was After Earth, which I kind of liked, but also wasn't a hit. And ever since After Earth, he's been making low ish budget movies. I mean, The Visit, Split. This- that he pays for. Is that right? His company, yeah, he has the... sunk his own money into these. Movies. So he
0: pays the for the production budgets of his yeah. new after. He's kind of going, going full, after full George movies. Lucas,
2: right? Isn't Which that is... the Lucas model of? For sure. Even though yeah. he was making Star yeah. Wars prequels. It's his. Is he doing anything?
0: It. That's why I like the second era of Shyamalan is because he's taken the guardrails off for himself, yeah. and so therefore, when he experiments, I'm more willing to give him the latitude to experiment because yeah. he isn't fucking with. Avatar The Last Airbender or people's careers or anything like that. Yeah. He's just, and just want want get incredible
1: he deals from the studios. Like, does he just make a ton of the profit because he puts up the money? And like, I'm sure, he I'm, sells I'm curious out. and like. And he says he's also putting mean, up like
0: he says, also putting up the budget for his Apple. TV show which I don't understand
1: I,
2: how that works totally.
0: Yeah, I don't sure. know because like there would be no back end on that from what I understand. So is he just <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: paying License for it? TV? So yeah.
0: yeah, there's there's some sort of back end post uh that the film having been completed that I don't understand, but he's paying for production and editing and yeah. all that. That that all that budget falls under. He's he's fronting that basically so he gets to not have uh studio breathing down yeah, his neck. Yeah,
3: and all of these movies have been financially successful i mean they're not making not making hundreds and hundreds of millions but the returns have been big i mean i I think think, split and
2: glass may have done that like three times the but i mean old
3: you know old so i think this and old are the two that i find most interesting because they're both adapted from other works but they still feel so much like his uh the things that interest him you know the topics the, the the themes that are consistent throughout his work that I almost feel like whatever his next movie is, we're going to realize is a trilogy between old and this. Mm. <laughs> it, just, it just feels like that's what he's working on. And, I, you know, I just really, you know, I just I just respond to his films because I, I feel like there's nobody else in mainstream movies that's working on these just sort of like very basic, some might even say, childlike ideas like old is like it's the beach that makes you old that's such a stupid thing but it works (laughs) and this is like you know like i don't i don't know about you guys but i think i remember one time i think i don't think i know i remember at one time i was a little kid and like my sister and i would ask my mother uh you know if somebody broke into the house and and said you had to shoot one of us who would you shoot uh and, and my mother would always say i would have them shoot me you know, Monsters. it's a nice mom thing to say. You know, why would we say this to our mother? I don't know. <laughs> so um, it's just sort of like a basic thing. It's heavy, heavy duty. Um, but what I really like about it, and this, this is something that I, is going to be a little bit surprising uh, because I live my life as a you know typical secular New Yorker. I am not particularly fond of the tenets of, of organized religion, but I do recognize that religion in America and in the world is a very, very important thing. It's baked into our calendar. It's baked into so many people's lives. Um, You know, I am a very secular Jew, but I sit down for a Passover Seder every year, and I listen to the Passover stories, which are insane. They're parting the Red Sea. How is that any different than four lunatics showing up at a cabin? Uh, You know, the story of Abraham and Isaac. It's like God says, hey, Abraham, I know you love me, so kill your son. Abe's like, all right, cool. So... um, It's heavy stuff. Is and that what
1: like, the cabin is about? The kind of. Oh, I, I mean,
2: it's th- getting to that. It's getting to a biblical act, right? Yeah, the the, Agad- the yeah. premise here is you must kill someone, sacrifice. The word sacrifice. Yes.
3: Is the,
2: the, the 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 cell here, and to avert apocalypse, and as they refuse to do so, apocalyptic things begin to occur. Right. Um, and, and we whether- should we should do a, eventually maybe like a spoiler flag here and and talk about where it all goes because right. there's some, some bigger ideas on the table like, are these four people who've come together to intrude in the house who they really purport to be? and, right. and Or right. they did they meet on message boards? Is this movie about QAnon? <laughs> Q-Anon? A and little bit a of lot, Q-Anon. No, honestly, I think QAnon is, a, is referenced in the movie. 100%. Um, and but the,
3: and the it, point, there's the, a lot p- going on. The point I was leading to it, um, uh, is, is basically this. In mainstream Hollywood cinema, Uh, or anything that's very popular. If you bring up the topic of religion, you're a faith-based film, and that ghettoizes you, and that puts you in a box. It can be a profitable box, but it's something that is not addressed by mainstream culture often. And I Mm. think that is wrong. I think it's stupid, because religion is an important thing to many people in this country, and it's a present thing. And I think the way most movies ignore it is foolish, and Shyamalan, who very famously, you know, he's a Hindu who went to Catholic school, uh, is obsessed with Christianity, Judaism, I mean, all these things are in his, are in his films. Uh, I think it's very interesting that he's the only guy doing it. Scorsese once in a while, silence maybe, but that was not very much a success. Um, I, I just think it's interesting that religion is a topic that, you just, you just don't even see religious characters in movies or TV shows. You don't watch a Netflix series and somebody's like, uh, where were you? Oh, I was at church. You don't hear that in TV and movies, but you hear it in life, even Honestly, among secular people.
2: Like The most religious movie of last year was probably She Said, because Ashley Judd says, as a woman and a Christian, I will go on the record. <laughs> right. And I was and the, like,
3: you're a Christian? Yeah, you don't hear that in movies, but you hear it in life. Like, I have friends and are just like people i know in the world like i i have a guy here i i've been seeing a masseuse lately because i effed up my neck and and i'm better now and my masseuse is cool and i said to him one day is like so how many days are you here he's like oh i i work every day except for sunday when i'm at church and this is in new york you know i'm in aoc's district the most godless district in america (laughs) and here's this like regular dude who goes to church and talks about it and it doesn't it's just like you never see that in movies. And it's weird that the only guy who does it is the Hindu who went to Catholic school who's obsessed with Christianity. So that's my piece <laughs> on that.
0: I, I agree with you, Jordan. But I also think the reason I didn't like Knock at the Cabin was because it's about faith without being about religion, which I think makes it easier to make the argument this is something about like QAnon people. Instead of it being something that's based on a tradition of, you know, being brought up on this or like something or other. This movie throws in a gay couple and four people who really believe something but never identify what religion they're part of. And I kind of feel like that's skirting the issue from somebody that definitely thinks the Catholic God exists when signs came out. So it seems like a weird sort of deviation about when you can be specific and when you can't be specific. For me, this movie, at some point, the tension gets hopped when you realize this is uh, about faith for all of the characters in some sort of way. And it becomes an interesting meditation, but I think it also makes a lot of the conclusions uh, very problematic if you sit down and try to untangle them. I think it's a fine time with the movies. I'm not sure if I could stand behind... Where it left me as a viewer. Yeah. When it, when it's it more ended.
2: interesting than good or emotional. Um, mm. I thought, to your point, Jordan, it tugs on this thread with the Jonathan Groff character, one half of the couple in the cabin. I believe he is a Christian yeah. man. They are sitting, waiting to adopt their daughter who grows up and is in the cabin with them uh, in a series of flashbacks. And he's like sitting in front of a, an image of Jesus. Yeah, playing at some soccer. Point. Right, Jesus <laughs> playing soccer. Um, but I don't think they really delve too deep. And But of course, he's the one who starts wondering what is real and, and yeah. what is not more. He is convinced. But I don't think they're interrogating his faith and maybe what that means. They they You know, this movie gets into, they are a gay couple. They're being preyed upon. What does that mean? The one half of the couple, the guy played by someone I'm not as familiar with, Ben Aldridge. I guess he was on Fleabag. um And in some other... He was in Pennyworth? That show... The DCU is back. Uh, The now-canceled... The origin Uh, story of Batman's Butler. (laughs) Yeah, the origin story of Batman's Butler. Uh, He's the one who's really antagonistic towards these intruders and saying, like, none of this can be real. And in these flashbacks, it's even be like, let's put your faith aside for a second. Like, let's lay off the Jesus shit here and just adopt this kid. Um, And he is accusing them. They must be preying upon... The two of them, because they are gay, and he has been attacked as a gay man in the past, and he's haunted by those memories as well. I just don't think it like melds together at any moment. There's not like a a kind of philosophical yeah thesis I... or crux to to this movie. It's just like we're we're mixing and m- matching yeah. all sorts of moments around the timeline of these people's lives, but it's never gelling into like this emotional swell
3: i i i think that's kind of like a feature not a bug though I, i i i do think that it hints at what their relationship probably is, which is the one who comes from the more conservative family the one whose parents reject him because he's gay um still has a religious streak in him and the other and his husband is more like okay that's your thing i know that you have a belief in christianity but we're just not going to talk about it you're allowed to have that it's okay he even says at one point it's okay for you to pray if you want to right and he's not he's not like rolling his eyes he's like my husband has this thing that he likes and that's cool so like they they have an understanding the other one who was a much more i guess you'd call it cynical for good reason he was gay bashed and he was injured and he's a little bit more defensive um you know he takes uh, he buys the gun. He learns self-defense, and he also is a lawyer for, I don't know, some kind of um, rights, civil rights stuff. And he's seen a lot of heavy shit. You know, he's there's a reason why he's got a little bit more scar tissue on him. So they kind of make for an interesting balance, and that's sort of what the end dynamic is. What what the at the end of the movie, and I guess this is all kinds of spoilers, is they have to figure Bing. out how do they. Uh, are we? Ta- are we? Do we want to yeah, talk spoilers? I want to well,
1: know how this movie ends.
2: Okay, let's let's say if you haven't seen this movie, we're giving it an
1: interesting. We'll see you next week. I would see, yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I would. I would recommend people see this movie, but I do think we need to talk about where it ultimately goes because Jordan, I'm, I'm interested if yeah. you feel like it has an ultimate point to make. Uh,
3: yeah, I think. Getting. Well, what happens is, um, they become convinced beyond. So for most of the time, the second husband is like, nope, it's bullshit. These four wackos are QAnon. They're not causing these tsunamis. They're not causing these plagues. There's bad weather. It's all just a coincidence. It's all a scheme. And finally, finally, oh, wait, wait, finally wait, wait, Before that, we
2: should say that uh, if people are just getting spoiled here. Yeah. Katie is one of them. Mm-hmm. Katie, the, the four people are, are Dave Bautista. Yeah, Rupert uh, Grant. As the kind of leader of this group. Abby Quinn, who uh, I mean, you would know from, God, what was the... um. The movie that the obvious child director did. God,
3: she's uh, very good in this. They're all good. The movie's good.
2: It's a good movie. Uh Anyway, and then Rupert yeah. Brint plays mm-hmm. a Boston The Southie, Southie guy. guy yeah. Um, and then this woman, Nikki Amuka-Bird. Um, I'm not. I'm less familiar with her. She's Nigerian British, and um, she yeah, they they good. intrude and they have big weapons and when people when the guys are refusing to kill each other to prevent the apocalypse they kill they kill one another the people are like beheading each other as sacrifices to urge the couple to make this decision and every time they kill each other something apocalyptic happens so jesus uh, there's a it's crazy crazy tidal wave hits portland (laughs) um and then planes are dropping out of the sky it's pretty horrific as i alluded to maybe earlier like Watching this movie and then the next day having this horrific earthquake situation. I know in Turkey and stuff. I was like, this is all too real. And a lot of the movie we experienced through twenty-four-hour news, which I actually I was talking to our, our friend of the podcast, Chris Rosen, the night we saw it. And I was like, We both agreed the twenty-four-hour news is kind of where this movie dips in quality. Like it's it's high production value in the cabin. The clips of 24-hour news look nothing like real 24 hours news. It looks like people standing in front of a green screen. It has no reality to it. It's very strange. Uh, And then M. Night Shyamalan, of course, shows up in a cameo uh, selling... What like an air fryer? Air fryer, yeah. An air fryer. Fryer. yeah. It's great.
1: Um, I just want to be clear that Nikki Mukaberg, because I knew I recognized her name. Uh, she's in uh, personal history of David Copperfield, which is oh, I recognized it. But also, Good she's movie. in Jupiter Ascending. She Matt is in Patches. Jupiter Ascending. I'm now
3: looking at this wiki <laughs> page. Time to watch Jupiter Ascending again. Shame you, on think, me. you know, but there's one thing. So they do. <laughs> so when each person dies, and like they're zealots, but when it comes time to get their heads bashed in, they're like freaking out. Like it's 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 a scary movie. Like the first one to sacrifice himself as Rupert Grint. And at first you think like these four people are wackos and we've seen like cult suicides, but you know, Jamestown, we've seen them all like, I shall now go to my maker. You know, it's not like that. Rupert Grint is like freaking out. He's like, I'm scared. What's going to happen? And then he gets head bashed in by Dave Bautista, who's the size of a mountain. It's, it's intense. And then, so it's like got a weird nightmare quality because it doesn't, it's got this weird surreal taste to it. And then the thing that got me was you mentioned there are these plagues that happen and there's fires and there's earthquakes. And then for some reason, all the airplanes that are in the sky just fall oh, wherever God. they are. And there's all this footage. Ugh. And I have had nightmares about that a lot. And this is before nine eleven too. I like a recurring nightmare of mine was to s- just be standing around and seeing an airplane fall out of the sky. And oh, not being on the airplane. That's so
2: interesting. I have the you same have that, nightmare.
3: You know who, uh, I know To this day, I yeah, have deep uh, planes uh, falling. Yeah, Brett, Brett Arnold, you know him from Film Twitter. He, sure. ha- I was talking to him. He's like, I have that nightmare constantly. Constantly do. And oh, I'm I worried him you that, guys
1: know something is coming. The, well, I asked the him this is myself. the premise <laughs> of the movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did he have it?
3: You know, he's a little younger. So he was like, I don't know, 10 when 9-11 happened. So- um maybe he got it from that which would make sense but i guess it's a common fear just like you're just like in a dream oh there's an airplane and it's even though it's cheaply done in this movie it's still very effective It's scary as hell so
1: okay so then so what happens so jonathan groff who has suffered
0: suffered a concussion uh falls for the grift and saves humanity You Bye. think he falls for the
2: grift?
0: No, he... I think the movie makes it real, but in reality, if you were to have those things for me, yes, he fell for he fell for the grift. He watches the last guy slit his throat, they go inside, everything's fine except what's on the TV, and he's like, you know what? Maybe this is just what happens. Maybe every once in a while well, there's a storm brewing
2: like us and they see these... lightning striking around their park. Yeah. That, that is after
3: he's dead! And they see a, a plane.
2: A plane does fall behind them.
3: But, they don't see it it falls behind
2: them we it see does. it we see <laughs> it. like well, uh, Katie, the I, point here is the so sacrifices twist,
1: himself he has the faith so therefore yes, the he, twist he of the movie is
2: it's real that they uh-huh. are the four horsemen of the apocalypse which is said out loud i thought that was a little much yes. i don't think we needed to go mm-hmm. there but um
0: especially when he names four yeah. things that are not the four horsemen of the apocalypse or he's like and we then, needed to see their kindness i'm like
2: Kindness is not a 4 hope. it's like, Brof, it's death and pestilence, you son of a bitch. Brock <laughs> dies, and everything goes back to normal.
1: Oh, so the other dad and the girl, like, go now, about No, what's lives. interesting yeah, is Brock keeps
2: claiming that during one sequence, as Dave said, he's, he's had a concussion. So he, the two of them are tied up, and in one shot, he sees, like, a beam of light coming through the cabin. And he claims to have seen a face. I can't wait for this movie to hit. or whatever so i can go back and see (laughs) if jesus is like in the light i want to know if i didn't catch that i didn't Uh, catch a
3: face i did uh, you do you do see a reflection of light though and but then it's all explained because one of the 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 four horsemen is a nurse and she's like you might be sensitive to light flashes because you've got a concussion so it's playing the is it real is it not so do you think it's ambiguous in the end no no okay because it's like, not ambiguously they go. The no, real but what Dave's but what Dave said is actually brilliant. Because you what 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 you should do after this movie is talk about it with friends, and you come to the conclusion of, if this were real life. No, I wouldn't buy it. Like, would you buy it? And the answer is, we don't know. I mean, it depends on who you are. All I can say is this: three, four years ago, there was that time in Astoria, Queens, when the. Uh, con edison plant blew up and the sky oh, sure. became blue and i mm-hmm. really did not know what the hell it was the sky became blue people home can google this the sky blue astoria new york and i live in astoria new york wasn't it the, making a sound too? wasn't there some sort of there orble? was a weird sound yes. The sky became pink the sky became gray the sky became deep blue james cameron avatar blue wasn't that, and, uh, I thought
2: Electro was fighting Spider-Man uh, at the power uh, grid.
3: And <laughs> I really didn't know. And at first I thought, oh, we've been attacked by nuclear missiles. And then I said, no, I'd be dead. And also who's attacking me? And then I said, I really don't know what's happening. I said, maybe it's aliens are coming. And I said, well, that's crazy. They how, how, what, what, what are they How faster long than how was this? It was not two seconds. It was moments. It was moments. It was maybe 180 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I really did think that some serious shit was going on. I turned to my wife. I said, oh, we had a good life. I'm happy we're together. I got, I got heavy. You know, I, I thought that the heavy shit was happening. So if, if Dave Bautista, mountain man that he is, came to me and mm-hmm. said, to stop this, you must sacrifice yourself. You know, I believe it Uh because Uh it was such an unexpected, weird phenomenon. The air was blue. But if you even if you believe that's, would you sacrifice yourself?
0: That's the crazy thing for me, because like uh, uh, your grandparents are crazy and trying to hunt you down. That's the visit. I get that beach that makes you old. boom. I get that Uh, (laughs) the religious zealots that tie up you and your gay lover and hold you guys all hostage. They were right all along. That is a little Mm. irresponsible for the premise, I think
1: uh i've been wondering about that aspect of it because like we we're is... talking about like in the break about like like legislature trying to like ban teaching kids that they might be gay in elementary school like the extent to which gay families really are under real sure. attack yeah, uh, well, like, I, I do i have wondered i'm curious why i haven't seen more takes like days you
3: know there's a great article on VanityFair.com about this what there's a great article <laughs> heard of it by this guy named uh what's his name rick Rick Lawson, Dick I, Lawson, I, I, so Dick I, Lawson. I,
1: I, I did edit uh, our, our friend Dickie Lawson's piece about that. And like, that was really, because he, he kind of came around on the side of like, look, they're putting like gay people at the center of this movie. Like we're part of the apocalypse as right. opposed to just being bystanders. So, like maybe it's a net good.
3: But yeah, he's, well, he, but he answered the question though. He actually ma- banged the gavel and said that he, he kind of approved. Yeah. He said, I like this movie. And I like the fact that it's not um, you know, if every if every presentation of gay couples is gonna be handled with kid gloves, it's gonna be bad for everybody. Yeah. Mm. And the fact that this movie makes you question, gee, is this movie dealing with anti-gay stereotypes or is it making anti-gay people good? And does that mean that it should make me feel weird? Like, it, these are important questions, and I think they're yep. valuable questions. And I, I also think it's, you know, since I like the movie, I'm glad that Richard did too. Obviously, he's got more skin in the game than I do. Um, so I just was, it's a very interesting piece that he. That uh, but he I wrote, think M. Knight
2: embraces these challenging 100%. questions. He, the yeah. movie becomes more complicated and challenging because of the layers.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, if this was about a straight a couple, couple, would it be nearly as interesting a movie?
2: No, because I, they wouldn't I, be I would
1: wondering to, why they're being to...
0: preyed on. I would have the same w- problem. If it's a straight couple, it's even more obvious that what this movie's saying is, you know what? Maybe these people having visions are worth being listened to. And I don't believe that's
3: true. Hmm. So you think it's too? I mean, per- this you, Dave, this you is think tough. You, you think the movie is too kind to QAnon? Basically, this is I think the movie. Uh, I, yeah. The reason
0: I compared it to the whale when I was talking about it previously is I'm like. I wish directors really knew where they were going when they work through their own faith based shit and start a movie. Mm. I don't I don't feel like this knew where it was going. The I I had to look it up to just make sure that, you know, I was blaming the right person. That's not the way the novel ends. And so this is
4: yeah, yeah,
0: this is uh, And I think the novel is sounds definitely more disturbing uh, to me in terms of like how it ends uh, in terms of like a thrilling experience. But it's like this one. Didn't get weird enough, or didn't hit the twist point enough. It started off as a home invasion movie, and for me, sort of ended as a home invasion movie with a different perspective. But so did the strangers. So how am I, you know, supposed huh. to balance those yeah. two
2: things? I do think uh, the movie which... gets a little messy. This is something that, uh, and I feel like I've mentioned on the podcast before, but John August and Craig Mazin talk a lot about this on their Script Notes podcast about how. Screenwriters writing conspiracies uh, so often have to vindic. You know, they they the conspiracies turn out to be true. The only mm-hmm. way to have a dramatic twist in these movies about like is the government working against us. Yes, it is. Yes, it's, it is. It's, yeah, it's a yeah, dramatic know. twist, but yeah. right, you don't right. want to actually. You don't want movies to tell people to be paranoid and to have yeah. conspiracies. And does this movie kind of fall into that trap of? hey, we all met on message boards because we're having visions and it must be
3: true. Actually, uh, it's true. But uh, but it's, I think, and I think Richard writes this in his piece, it's a little bit risky. Like the obvious thing for a Hollywood movie to do would be like, it's ambiguous. It's like the end of Inception. Is he dreaming Mm. or is it real? That's wrote by that point. By this point, that's like common to to, to just floor it and say, no, it's real. The world is ending. I took it. I, I answered the question. You know, yeah. that's different. And I think that's to be, that's to Shyamalan's credit. I do, again, and this is why the movie is interesting, is because all the ideas are on the
2: table and it escalates in a fascinating way. Like the thought experiment is there. I don't know, and I'm not as high on late Shyamalan as, as you are, Jordan. I don't think old is actually that good. I think it's kind of sloppy and the dialogue oh. is bad. The criticisms against Shyamalan and mm-hmm. how he executes is I'm I'm on the side of uh, coming down on him. I, you're not I going to pizza
1: makes you make you. Sure I think you're it's kind of goofy.
2: It. This movie Mid-size gets sedan. sized sedan. <laughs> this is not Michael Haneke, you no. know, doing funny games or something. This is not yeah. like the Euro version of this, where you want it to be taught. And I I just thought there was like too much music. At times, like there was do- a lot of production doing kind of heavy lifting. I, it, when I wanted deep silence and people being like, "Am I about to shoot my husband?" I yeah. guess I am because well, that, it's true, that's, that, he, and he, it doesn't
3: he, weigh on you at the end. I, 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 for I, me, I, I, you're, what you're saying is accurate, and that means it doesn't work for you. But but he is a mainstream filmmaker, and this is in in Definitely. mainstream cinema. Yeah, asking and, it to be
1: funny games does feel a little uh, right. And if you look at the synopsis <laughs> of I'm the not book,
3: asking. the the book. If you want to go to Wikipedia and look at the synopsis of the book, it gets much heavier than what the book. is in this. Yeah, the so the book. The book is heavier, and, and I don't think that could... Help. You know, Universal would say, you paid for it, you own it, we're not putting it in theaters, you know? It's, it's, <laughs> it is uh, interesting,
2: there's a child in play in this movie, and I don't think I was worried about her at any point. Not that you should be, the parents I, you, are you, not going to no, choose you should to kill be. her.
0: You should be from the very beginning of this movie, where she is in immediate danger. That's where the movie works the best for me. Is where the child is realizing she's in danger.
3: I do uh, because yeah. she's I do smart. Think she's level headed though. She's level headed for a kid that's got all this shit going. I think, on, uh, yeah, they just yeah, don't yeah. I endanger her
2: in a way that she, you know, when we the first scene of the movie. I like that the movie gets straight into the drama. We don't have to do a lot of setup with people. Uh, Batista just emerges from the woods to meet this little girl who's collecting grasshoppers or something, and um, and that's the last time you feel danger for her, or last time I did. There was no chance that in this movie, the parents were going to choose to kill the girl. No,
3: of course not. Of and course. there was
2: no chance that these four horsemen were going to kill the girl. So it's mm. interesting to have, like, an endangered child on the table, but there's never a sense of danger for her.
3: Yeah. Right? No, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, Should, I, I think all these things are accurate, and the, 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 my biggest takeaway is wasn't for me, Doesn't mean I hate it or it's bad. Just, it did not hit me because I don't have a kid, because I have very specific feelings about uh, religious zealotry or overusing your faith to leverage something. Uh, Maybe it's because I'm not terrified enough of home invasion. God, knock on wood. Um, That doesn't need to change. But this is absolutely the type of movie that we should be getting in theaters every week. One of these. Just somebody trying something that actually means something to them. I'm willing for to have that. I'm willing to watch dozens of bad movies a year <laughs> if that's what we get.
3: Should we just say really quickly, uh, go around the room and uh, our thoughts on Mr. Dave Bautista and his career in general? Even though just Kate and haven't eyes. seen this film, I mean, oh,
1: I feel like uh, Glass Onion, and then the interviews he's given after that, just being like, "Yeah, I always want to like play a bunch of different roles." Like, I've become very pro Dave Bautista, despite having not seen this movie, and I n- really do not care. I don't know. But I'd be interested to find out.
2: I'm like rooting for him without believing that he can do much.
3: Well, I, I, I'm going to say that this film is a difficult role. First of all, he is not just a large man. He's the size of a house. He's the hugest man <laughs> you've ever seen. And they shoot him from the waist up. He's like it's framed in the bathroom. He comes out. He's like a, he's like a comic book character.
0: He's standing next and, to Ron Weasley,
3: and he could fit like five Ron Weasleys yeah, inside of him. He's so gigantic, and then he's he's got a kindness to him. You know, he's he plays a second grade teacher in this movie, and he's talking to the little girl, and he's talking to her like she's a grown up, and it's just so warm. And the thing that I found most interesting is that a lot of his scenes are in extreme close up. His giant melon head, right in the right there in the in the camera so the camera is right in his face and that's very difficult acting that's what they call technical acting not being on the stage projecting to the cheap seats that's every little tiny nostril twitch is going to be elevated so you got to be dialed in like hell to do a performance like that because he's in extreme close-up for a lot of it so i do think he's got a lot of range i think he's eventually going to do i mean he's done comedy his guardians of the galaxy is funny um, I think he's gonna do a tender performance at some point. He's gonna play like a you know, a big hearted, broken hearted man and, and and like a Marty type. And, and that's a real hmm. timely reference for the kids. Uh, but he's gonna do a Marty <laughs> type film and he's gonna he's gonna win the Oscar. I mean, he's he's a he's a really great performer. He's just so visually interesting, you know. There are other big lumbering lummoxes who act. I, you know dwayne johnson is great but he i think Batista is is far more interesting of a performer
0: i'll also rate him above uh dwayne the rock johnson I, I believe how i put it text messages to joanna robinson we've been sharing some dave bautista tiktok clips i'm like this is the guy that made me think i missed a period in wrestling with actually good people in it because when i stopped paying attention to wrestling it was like Hulk Hogan was retiring. The Undertaker was still a thing. And I was just like, this is not for me. It's a whole bunch of trash people like Vince McMahon. And then, you know, people like Dave Bautista come out of it. And I'm like, I might have written off an entire art form without paying (laughs) attention because he is a great performer. Will he be as successful as Jordan says he is? Completely depends on his agent at this point and what people are willing to let him do. I think he can rise to any occasion but I do think he's going to be a hard sell.
3: I think it takes a, yeah. an auteur to roll, like somebody like a P.T. Anderson or somebody's got to put him in a, mm. in a movie. It's mm. got to be, it's not going to be the studio system. It's going to be studio adjacent. Like Shyamalan is studio adjacent. Uh, you know, one of these directors is going to, or even somebody like Aronofsky, although who knows, I, I, think, I think he's got something in him that's going to that's gonna just be legendary at some point. You know, like like Todd Field, tar, do some kind of tar movie with Dave Bautista. What a what a premise. Tar 2, tar Bautista.
0: Two. <laughs> uh, yeah, Patches, any uh, De Batista facts uh, facts, and thoughts to send no, us on my, the air?
2: My out? one last knock-of-the-cabin thought was actually a question for Katie, and my question is, when you guys go on road trips, do you have, like, a song that you all sing together?
1: <laughs> like, oh, like, what, wait, what do they sing in the movie?
2: They sing "Boogie Shoes" by Casey and the Sunshine Band, and when they do in the movie all together, I was like, "You should all die."
1: Aww, <laughs> what? What an
2: awful song! You and hate joy. joy?
1: We do a lot of singing. It's like mostly songs the kids have chosen. Like we, you can't reverse engineer it. But uh, mostly the songs from Lyla Crocodile, I would say, are songs that wow. we're all singing in the car together. That's on brand. Right.
2: Could be worse. You
1: right. really yeah. don't know the uh, whole. This movie has. What we were of the
0: age that we, we, I would sing like I just can't wait to be king, and everybody mm. in the car. No, we do. We are rocking that in the patches
1: car for sure. Must well,
2: well, How is that different? Wow. What are you Why the the crit?
1: Crit? Better than? Oh, I'm not against the sing along. I'm against boogie shoes. What's wrong with boogie shoes? It
2: just is like. I just don't believe it. I just don't believe they're all grooving to boogie shoes. It's she's so not cute, time. that
3: little girl, really the way cute little girl. The way no, she no. says "boogie" in it is adorable.
2: She's doing a little dance in the backseat. I, I know she's. I loved she's her riding, in that. Rising Above.
3: She's great. She's great in that movie.
2: They bring it. I mean, we're in the spoilers section. They yeah, bring yeah. it back at the end, and I just thought that was awful. I'm like, I don't want to hear boogie shoes at the most after the most devastating thing that's happened in this movie. I, it's I not emotionally
3: that. poignant to me. I'm sorry. I love sorry. that I love awful that. song. I love that, and Bilge Ibiri loved that, and a lot of other people agreed with you, Patches, and hated it. So that's, that's it. Shyamalan.
1: That does it for the show. We'll be back next week. David probably will have a baby by then, but, you know, we make no guarantees. We'll see how long they have to wait. In the meantime, uh, tell the people who you are, starting with... Jordan. Well, first of all, I want
3: to say it's always a pleasure to be back on the show. And second of all, although I sometimes extend a zing toward David Ehrlich, I am a huge fan. He knows this. I love him. I love his family. And I wish him only only Nachis in the birth of his second child. <laughs> um now, what was your question? Who am I? My name's Jordan Hoffman, you? and I I've been doing this nonsense writing about movies for fifteen years, and I and I love it every day. Patches, who are you?
2: I am Matt Patches, the deputy editor over at Polygon.com, I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Patches. I'm on Letterboxd, Mr. Patches. And uh, this is the part where I tell you we have a website. You can probably find all of Jordan's old appearances. Jordan, do you remember any episode of the show that you were on? Oh, uh, sure. there's one
0: they can't find.
2: Oh, my gosh, yes. yeah. Which so, one Jordan was a guest when when the podcast ended. Oh, Fighting you, were, you were
0: on that? Oh, and you took yeah. that down? Yeah. We did. It ended up being very confusing for people and, oh, the best part, and I are not allowed to do it is, anymore. Jordan
2: actually thought we were ending the show when I called him for a, uh, a final word.
3: Yeah, <laughs> you, you
1: called Didn't me. Didn't like, you just th- call him and say we're ending the show?
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I gave and I was like trying to be honest, like, listen, you guys have had great memories. <laughs> um, you guys have last you forged long friendships <laughs> the four of you will be together forever but this sometimes is things was, have to end
1: this is why it was such bullshit like a prank where you're just like hey we're so doing true. this thing and someone's like okay and they're like ah just kidding we're not and you're like oh <laughs> I yeah. you it you wasn't a order. prank on
2: jordan he was no, just part but, of no. the prank <laughs>
1: no but i was I like, wanted it to be
2: realistic it was more of a borat situation it was and, very oh, Borat, and Jesus i was like you guys Christ. should be
3: proud and then at the end i gave this whole spiel about how how great it's all been and you know and, and, and how, uh, you know, I was, and how I've been tangentially involved. In fact, I was, I think I was there the night you guys decided to come up with this thing. Wow. Because there's a photo of you guys, an early photo, and my ear is in the photo. I'm serious. You so, um, had your ear. Yeah, you had my ear. And then at the end, you're just like, oh, well, that's really kind. Oh, we're not breaking up the show. And I'm like, oh, well then why, why are you wasting my evening? What's going on? So anyway. Um, and yeah, no. this episode doesn't
2: exist, but there's so many other Jordan appearances <laughs> on
3: FightingInTheRoom.com. Well, we'll be back. I mean, you know, this year we got, uh, what's coming up this year? I'm excited for Oppenheimer. I was thinking about that today. That movie's going to be good. What Oppenheimer that- bio- or, uh, biography should I read? The one, that, the movie? The one they bought the rights to. I have it on oh, my Amazon okay. wish list. I'm going to buy it uh, in Ooh. a month or so. One you have sp- it on your Amazon wishlist, but you're gonna personally buy it. It's not Unless unless somebody buys it for me, but I don't think that's gonna happen. American but, um, Prometheus? That's the one. Yeah. It's like eight hundred yeah. pages and it's supposed to be oh, very boy. readable. And that's uh,
1: the one. oh yeah, that sounds like the kind of thing I would read.
3: I mean, uh, it's, wow. it's
1: going to be good because, I, you know, he doesn't
3: really do that kind of movie. He does tenant weird shit like that.
1: Every you know, time look. I look back at the um, the cast list of Oppenheimer, I'm surprised all over again. I keep Every forgetting guy. who's in it. It's like, Betty Safdie's in that movie. Sure. Uh
2: uh-huh. Yeah, so (laughs) fightingintheworm.com. Yeah!
1: (laughs) I'm Dave Gonzalez.
0: You can follow me on Twitter at TA70. Uh, Also, David Ehrlich. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, David Ehrlich. You can leave us a review, as I said earlier in the episode, on the Apple Podcast app. That's where it does it the best, uh, the most good. Or you can email us at fitwr.podcast.gmail.com and we will all definitely see it. Uh, you can find more of me on the trial by content show on the ringer network where Joanna Neil and I will be trying to narrow down the best zombie movie ever.
3: The answer is the D- Dawn of the dead from the, the second one. Okay. The remake. Okay.
0: Well, Dawn of the Dead. Need, no, you don't the, need to do
2: that podcast anymore. Yeah. Oh, Dawn of the dead,
0: the 1978 one. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yes, that's the best one.
0: That's that's in our bracket, man. We just got to let yeah. the people vote on it. I don't get to make the rules. Oh, well, no, okay. I don't get, I do make the rules. I don't get to pick the answers. That's what I meant to say.
1: Uh, American Prometheus is in use at my library, and I am now on the li- uh, hold list. So I will look forward to reading. Buy that. a copy. Oh, it's a, you know, it's a,
3: you're not going to read it in the time it takes to take it out of the library. It's a thick tome. You're going to have to yeah, support it around for your a month. local Oppenheimer.
1: Support my <laughs> local library. I love my local library. No, but I'm just
3: saying that you know. All right. You know what you do. You. Do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you
1: can. F- uh, where am I? I'm on Little Men uh we're talking about uh, we're answering listener questions about the oscars this week so that'll be fun um you can find me on twitter at katie Ridge, k-a-t-e-y-r-i-c-h and we're all on twitter at f-i-t-w-r where you can tell me where i should get my copy of american prometheus or you could answer this week's lightning round question which was
0: in honor of titanic's upcoming re-release what's one of your
1: favorite lines from that movie thanks for listening and we'll be back talking to you next week We're done,
4: we're done.